Well, hey there. Welcome to the For Jesus podcast. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm one of the pastors at Redemption Church Gateway, and I'm here today with Mr. Joshua Reese. Yeah, I'm here too. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm having a great week, weekend. I don't know what day it is, though. So, I mean, that's how good it's going. (laughs) That's going great. We're missing Alessi today. Alessi uh, took a trip uh, with her boyfriend to uh, go to a wedding in Florida, I guess. Her, uh, Her boyfriend had, you know, some college teammate of his from his gymnastics days was getting married, and so I thought, man, that's cool for you, Alessi. I don't know if she'd want us sharing about it, but, uh, you know, hey, they I took a trip, so they're not here. I didn't I didn't know he does gymnastics. That's, I don't did. think he does anymore. He's kind of tall for a gymnast. Uh, yeah, he's really gymnast. tall. But anyway, uh, we are here today. We've got a special guest. Um, we're going to talk about something you need to know. We're going to um, have a story from somebody that's beloved to us as a church, and then Reese is going to have a music recommendation. So Yeah, a good one, too. This is a good one. Get ready for it. Oh man, I'm sick of your bad ones. So, (laughs) I meant your guys' bad ones. I'm really a good one. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you said you liked mine last week. I I did. I don't know if you actually. I'm totally kidding. I've loved every one of them. So, um, if you're new to this, what we try to do, uh, like I said, is those three things. We say something you got to know, which is sort of a a look at going, hey, if you're going to be around our church for a while, what's something that we hope you know? Then we want to help you get to know somebody that's part of the church, and then the music recommendation is always fun. Uh, We are making this really, you know, with the people of Redemption Church Gateway in mind, but if you're listening and not part of that uh, community, we're glad you're here too. So, I'm going to kick us off with something you got to know. And uh, the passage I have in mind here is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And something you got to know is that you are not saved by your works, but you are saved for good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's interesting, a few different times there, a few different ways, he says that you're saved by grace. It's not your own doing. It's a gift. It's not a result of work. So there should just never be any confusion that we think we're somehow made right with God by our works. We're not. We're, uh, you know, our best works are still filthy rags before the Lord. So we're saved by grace. But then it says this in verse 10, and I think sometimes we can forget it. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so this is such an encouraging verse to me. That word workmanship is the Greek word poema, which sounds kind of like poem or poetry. And it's that idea that God is this craftsman who is finally shaping us so that we will do the good works. And then how cool is this, that God prepared beforehand. So the idea is you, you get up, we get up every day, and there is something that God has prepared for us to do. And we get a chance to walk into that. And so that's something that you got to know is that you're not saved by your good works, but you are saved for good works. And I think that our testimony and our witness shines bright if we walk in those good works that God has created us for. So mm, that's good. I love it. Any, uh, any follow-up thoughts? Is that, that, easy to, is that easy to live out? I think. Is it? <laughs> no. Which part of that is harder for you? Well, it always uh, seems to, you know, dive back into like, doing good works um, so that mm. I'll be loved. It just, that's just, I think that's human nature is we just, yeah. it's easier. It's a formula that way mm. and, it, and it's easier to do rather than just like the opposite Yeah, and living that. So, yeah, it's that difference between saying I'll do this in order to get God love, God's love yeah. versus I'll do this because I already have God's love. Yeah. And um, 
man, it's weird because I think you can actually also look at people who are living pretty similar lives and doing kind of similarly good things. And yet what this tells us is the reason you do it is as important as anything. Mm-hmm. But actually the motivation of your heart is makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. I think you just have to always check your heart, that motivation of your heart, because you fall all over the yeah. spectrum if you don't. And I, I see that a lot in humans. Yeah. So that's something you got to know. So uh, next up is a, a good friend of ours. Uh, Mr. Mark Burns is here in the studio with us. Mark, how are you? I know that guy. Good. It's great to be here with you. Yeah. Good to have you with us, man. We're excited to be able to hear your story. Um, so for those of you listening, Mark is um, on staff here at Redemption Church Gateway. Uh, Mark, how long have you been on staff? What do you do here? Um, I think it was the end of November or actually the middle of November this past year that I started working here. I'm the maintenance lead. Okay. So I maintain things. <laughs> Some things are probably easier to maintain than others, but that's, so that's like just stuff around the physical campus, things yes. that break or things that need fixed or things that need built or that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mainly uh, just making sure that things are working properly. And if they aren't, then I'm the guy to get it done. Yeah. You didn't fix my door the other day. No, but we, <laughs> just we kidding, worked we out did a solution. Fix it. We did though. fix it. To your office? Yeah. It just keeps shutting. I don't know what's going on with it. Well, he explained why I was doing it. Better that than it keeping opening. Yeah, it's true. But, it's yeah. true. Well, I'm glad that you guys are working that out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Mark's got a really interesting story. And um, some people have seen or heard him talk, you know, on church, at church on Sundays, probably more than a year ago. Um, at one point, you lived in Turkey for quite a while. We'll talk about that. And you would come back from time to time and give us updates and we would pray for you and those sorts of things. Um, but probably a lot of people haven't heard as much since you've the last year been back in the States. And so this will be a good chance for people to get to know stuff they never knew about you as well as get a little bit of an update of what God's been doing in your life. So uh, Mark, to start out with how, how old are you? I will be 40 years old this year, 40 years old this year. Yeah. How, how are you feeling about that? Just another year. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, I still feel like a little kid, like I've always felt, but clearly my body is not <laughs> holding up like it used to. When you say you feel like a little kid, in what ways? Uh, just, in, especially after I came to faith, just the vibrancy of life, like mm. always appreciated and always ready to have fun, to jump in, cool. you know. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's awesome. So 40 years, coming up on 40 years old. Yeah. That's great. And uh, I think that's helpful just to help kind of, sometimes people hear a voice and go, who, who am I hearing to? You know, or who am I listening to? So, um, yeah, you talked about since you came to faith. So why don't we start there? Um, tell us about kind of your life growing up uh, before Christ, how you met Jesus. Um, yeah. What's your story? So growing up, we would go to church basically for Easter and Christmas. But other than that, like just kind of a normal American home. You grew up in Arizona? In Arizona, in Mesa. Okay. Uh, was in that home for 13 years. And then moved. But the, at that time, my sister had just got married and I started working for my brother-in-law. Um, through his influence in my life, I, was, I felt like everything was going right for me. I was getting good grades in school. Um, I was playing football, wrestling, and things were going way better than I expected. But I still felt this like empty feeling in my soul. And when I thought about it, there was kind of two things that when I looked around that people had that I didn't have. Um, one was faith, like some sort of belief system. The other was a girlfriend. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, 
wasn't really doing any. People had those? Yeah. Well, some, some people least, did. The, the winners. <laughs> I don't know if they were actually real people. It may have just been people on television or okay. in the movies. But gotcha. um, huh. it was something that was on the radar. Okay. And uh, t- then all of a sudden, this girl that was in my Spanish class came and invited me to a dance, like showed up at my front door as one of those like morp. Uh, wow. Okay. Experiences. Yeah. And Girls ask guys. Right. You got asked. I got asked. Saying, and go. uh, <laughs> and then that weekend, I went to church at the church that I would eventually become a believer at. What led you to that church? Like uh, at that weekend with her? With her. Oh, okay. So, um, and I remember when I walked in the door, all these people were really glad that I was there. Or at least that's what they kept telling me. <laughs> so is this like your first date? Kind uh, of? Like, it was. So I think we went on a date like on Saturday and then okay. Sunday went okay. to church. Okay. And uh, I was like, well, if things don't work out with this girl, I should come back here. Because there's a lot of girls that are really happy that I'm there. <laughs> so. Um, package deal. Yeah. Got so I kept girls. going. Um, and the guy who led the worship or at least one of the other students uh, ended up on a camping trip that I went on with the church, um, okay. just kind of sitting with me and asking me, he's like, I've seen you around for a long time. Um, what are you thinking? Like, where are you at? And I was like, well, I still have suspicions. He's like, what? And I felt really on the spot at the time, but he, I realized I really had no suspicions. Like hmm. I just wasn't like acknowledging, like, is this what I want? Is this, um, and I did want it because I looked at these people at the church and they had a hope, they had love, you know, things weren't perfect. Um, cause before that, I always thought of Christians as being hypocritical, um, just cause they'd say cause one had, thing. Cause you had met some. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we are we sometimes. All, yeah. I mean, you know, they'd say not to do this or not to do that. And then they'd do it. And I'd be like, well, look, you know, how is that working out for you? Yeah. Type thing. But, um, just after that camping trip, I think it was the next week I called him up and I was like, what do I need to do to become a Christian Wow, kind of mentality? And for me, I, I knew I didn't understand everything, but I was like, what do I have to lose? Like if this proves to be something that's not, it's empty or it's not fulfilling, like what have I lost? Okay. Um, and come this far. So I was 15 at the time. Okay. Um, you know, 35 wow. years Well, not 35 did you end up, years. did you end up going on more dates with that girl? I did. Um, and that was kind of like when that relationship ended, it was kind of like, well, I did have to come to a point. Do I want to continue in this relationship or do I want to follow Jesus? Mm. And I know that that had a huge effect on just shaping the rest of my life going forward. Cause it was, it was almost kind of like a second faith step for me. Okay. So you start out kind of going a little bit like, hey, you know, I'm in on this. What do I have to lose? That doesn't sound like a kind of like I'm going to run through a, you know, brick wall for this faith just yet. But, um, you know, when I got to know you a number of years later, probably in your early 20s, you had a kind of like, I'll, you know, I'll run through the brick wall for Jesus. So what, how did that develop where you kind of went like, Hey, this is, you know, what, what I have to lose to like, I am all, all in. Well, when with the, that relationship and, mm. um, it ending, like before I became a Christian, 
all the guys that I hung out with, you know, we did certain things, liked certain things. And then I became a Christian and I didn't want to do the things that they were doing or like the same things that they liked. So I lost those friends. But then with the relationship side, like at church, I wasn't that close with other people um, because there was aspects of the relationship that didn't align with what I was hearing at church. So I, there was some distance, okay. but then when that relationship ended, it was like, I'm all alone. Mm. Like, or I, I chose Jesus. So I was just with Jesus. Okay. And it was in the middle of my senior year, um, in, during football season. So it's impossible. I don't have time for a social life. Um, so I'd spend most of my Saturdays just driving in my truck that didn't have a radio singing worship songs and praying. And I was also a part of a discipleship group that had become really formative um, in terms of keeping each other accountable um, with reading the word, but also just with sin and even serving other people. Mm. Um, they, it just really shaped me. Mm. And because I felt like I had no people in front of me, that Jesus really just took my life and was like, I'm all in whatever you want, God. And I remember praying that prayer in the parking lot of the church of being like, whatever you want, I'll do. Wow. Because I want you. Mm. And mm. Um, yeah. That's great. Man, so that was your senior year. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what happened? You graduate high school. So then what next? I mean, kind of a cool thing. I wanted to go as far away from home as I could afford. So Northern Arizona University was the place for me. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, God just worked things out pretty amazingly. Like orientation week, went up there with my parents. My parents are going around different booths and there's a lady there from the three-year degree program. Um, it's like, tells my mom, hey, your son could get um, a better housing, get priority registration for classes. He could sign up. If he drops out of it, there's no cost to him sort of thing. So I signed up for this three-year degree program. Oh, wow. And could it be a degree in anything? Yeah. Just it was accelerated. Just, they helped you to organize uh, what classes you needed and kind of a support to that kind of workload and whatnot. And I signed up and three weeks into school, they come, they call me into the office and they're like, Hey, we had someone drop out of the program. Uh, we have a two thirds scholarship. Do you want it? And it's like, of course. Dang. Wow. So, um, and then because of, I could take as many classes as I wanted during the normal school year. So like fall and spring semester. And at the first I was like, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. Um, I'm going to drop out of NAU and I'm going to go to a Christian school. Okay. But I had become an RA, a resident assistant and was doing the training for it. And because I have a high sense of, uh, loyalty. And I said that I was going to do this. So it's like, okay, I have to stick it out one more year to fulfill my obligation. And then I could go, but I started doing the math and it's like, if I take summer school for two summers, I could graduate. Wow. So I, uh, narrowed. So you weren't interested in, you know, lingering out, right? Some people, you know, take some six or seven years to get that four-year degree. Yeah. They're called doctors. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't, like, well, you weren't interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, like I, you know, I played the game for school, but what did you study? So my degrees in psychology, oh, wow. but I started out 
kind of not knowing what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do vocational ministry. So I would okay. say like, I want to be a pastor, a missionary or a Christian counselor. So at first I had kind of a dual major and then a minor of psychology and religious studies, but in religious studies, the way that they were teaching like new Testament or old Testament, it was like, this isn't what <laughs> right. we believe, like what Christians right. believe. So I, I remember, I, I remember a world religions class at Illinois. And when I got to the Christianity part, it made me question whether I could believe anything that they had taught about all the other religions. Cause I was like, they are butchering this Christianity mm-hmm. thing. This isn't even close. How do I know what they said about Buddhism or Islam or mm. anything else is true? Right. Well, it, that led me to the principle, like, unless you're hearing from someone who says they believe in it, like, mm-hmm. how do you really like the degree of validity that's there? Yeah. It's just questionable. Huh. So now did you, so you're married? Yes. You have four kids. I do. Did you meet Catherine while you were at school? So I first met her, uh, I think we were on either a summer camp or a mission trip with the church that we became believers at. Okay. She grew up going there. So she was one of the other cute girl options for you when the first one didn't work out. We both have different <laughs> uh, remembrances of how we first met in the back of this van. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I thought she was saying that she was so excited that she was going to marry this one guy um, that she, of course, didn't marry. Okay. And then at the time, I was, you know, all in thinking that I was going to marry the girl that had brought me to church. And, um, but yeah, didn't work out that way. <laughs> okay. Mm. So you were dating through college. So that's where it's a little complicated. I actually, okay. during college, I was dating a different girl. Okay. Which in some ways like was part of my motivation for finishing school so quickly. Okay. Um, because she was down here in the Valley and I was up in Flagstaff. Um, but Catherine was up at NAU at the same time. So her okay. four years, I was there in the middle too. Okay. So you were just there for two years. Yeah. So your three-year advanced program became a two-year advanced program. Yeah. Dang, dude. I had a lot of fun. I did. I was an RA. I was also in Blue Key Honors Fraternity. I was in uh, InterVarsity. Yeah. It's just I didn't uh, waste my spare time. Yeah. Like I went to bed at nine o'clock, woke up at five, and I'd get made fun of. Like people would come by my dorm just to see if I was actually in bed. Yeah. And I would be. And <laughs> Reese, he sounds a lot like you. He's just like me. <laughs> I have a strict, strict schedule. Eight eight thirty, get up at four. That's what I do. <laughs> so that's a lie. So you started school, Mark, um, going maybe pastor, missionary, Christian counselor. How did the focus of that get narrowed? So my roommate in college was from Mexico. Um and just the there was part of it. So that influence kind of started steering me towards that. But then during summer school, all my friends were gone. Like they went back home and I was working as an RA at that time too, but I had office hours um, at the dorms. And so I'd read missionary biographies. I don't even know how I got started reading them, but I started to. And, Do you have a favorite? Um, I kind of have two, like uh, John G. Patton. Oh man, his autobiography is so good. Yeah. It's so good. Even if you just read like the first 200 pages. I mean, it's pretty long. Yeah. But the story about his relationship with his dad is incredible. It feel it reads like you're reading an adventure novel. I haven't read you you've read more than I have, but but that's one book that I just like blows me away. Yeah. Hmm. 
What else? Um, and then Hudson Taylor mm. as well. I mean, the so much so you have a child name Hudson. I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I assume there's a connection. That is, that is why. Yeah. The one that I felt at the time that was like closer in time um, was also uh, Jim Elliott's mm. experience, um, and just because I was leaning towards going to Latin America. Okay. Um, but then I learned later that that they're sending people to places that don't have churches anyway. So, so you're thinking be a missionary at that point. Do you have any recollection of like what being a missionary meant to you? Well, from the biographies that I, um, was reading, you know, they were all like very much pioneer missionaries. Okay. And for me, even though I came from a church that was supporting missions, very, like very much involved, no, like there was very few people that they were supporting that were like that in terms okay. of their, most people were headed to, kind of pre-existing works i did i guess i at that, that point, was your sense of it i didn't know yeah i i didn't even know how mission agencies worked okay and that that was required for yeah. you know even my church to send someone so um in my mind it was you go to a place you learn the language you learn the culture you share jesus with them then people come to faith you train someone to have that same heart to do the same thing with their own people and then maybe people next to them and then the idea was, then I leave and go do that somewhere else. Okay. That sounds easy. Let's I mean, it. it's basic plan. <laughs> it sounds know? simple, not easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you were thinking Latin America, but the Lord redirected you. Yeah. So I went to Urbana. Um, the, the church sponsored a bunch of people to go to Urbana. Urbana is a big missions conference. Right. Uh, did you go when it was in Champaign-Urbana? I did. Illinois? It was amazing. I've never worked, walked on snow that felt like sand it was so cold <laughs> like funny. it never melted yeah so i went to university of illinois in urbana yeah. and they um i remember the kids in the dorms would always be kind of peeved about the urbana conference because they'd have to like clear out their dorms so that random people could like stay in their dorms for housing. Where i stayed it wasn't that cleared out like there was okay. still someone's stuff in it yeah that's funny yeah so I, I feel like I have all this connection to Urbana, though I never went to the conference. Yeah. So you went there, and people are speaking about missions, and people from all over the world involved in all sorts of mission stuff are there. It's kind of a big festival conference type thing. I mean, the, the thing with, like, conferences or even that um, is that it, I never really liked the hype of it. Mm -hmm. um, it was much more of, like, this is what I need to do in order to get where I want to go. Because um, I knew that I wanted to go already. Um, but when I was there, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, like Latin America, I can't go there because they're sending people, you know, there's people mm -hmm. from Peru that are going to Turkey. There's people from Brazil that are going to Turkey. You know, there's, so it's so reached that there are already people being sent from there. Right. Not that it's overly reached. Nowhere is overly reached, but right. And just part of the calling that I had felt. Um, reading those missionary biographies um, during those summers in the dorms was to go to a place that didn't have any Christians and, you know, to do that kind of pioneering hmm. work. Um, so I didn't know where that was. And I finished school and then met with the global outreach director of the church. And she was like, I know a Spaniard that does that in Turkey. Hmm. And it was like, interesting. Okay. So, and so that then you, kind of checked it out. Were, yes. you, were you married by this point? No. Okay. Um, 
actually at that point I was still in a relationship, like had bought an engagement ring, was hoping to get married and all that fell, fell through oh, wow. during my first semester of seminary. Okay. And cause I was told that because I was so young, I had to go to seminary. Otherwise the likelihood that the elders would send me, hmm. um, just wasn't there. But so, was, so by this point you're like, you're going to seminary, but you kind of know I'm headed somewhere. Oh, absolutely. And so when you and Catherine kind of reconnect and start dating, I imagine it's like, Hey babe, <laughs> well, this is, uh, so this is the train you're getting on. If you, if you want to hitch up with me or no. So the story is, um, that Catherine will say is that I wrote an email with her uh, to her, um, <laughs> after seeing her one weekend, like I went back up to Flagstaff to visit friends and we have a mutual friend that went to visit her and, uh, we were at her dorm. And from what I remember of the evening, she like had me sit in the one chair that was in her dorm room. The rest of it was either the bed or the people were sitting on the floor and she like sat at my feet and she thought, well, he doesn't know these other people. I don't want him to feel weird and awkward, but she like kept talking to me. So I wrote her and she says that I basically said, Hey, I'm going to Turkey for the rest of my life. Um, I'd like to get married. Do you want to start talking? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, she said the first thing she did, she took it to her a good friend that was just down the hall in the dorm and said, look what this guy wrote. Like think of the audacity. And the girl said to her, you're smiling. Huh? So she, you say this is how Catherine remembers it as though you dispute it. Am I, am I hearing I, that correctly? I feel like there was a little bit more tact <laughs> in what, in how I worded like, Hey, let's start talking. Might be just a blind spot. You didn't know you had. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that I had, I already had it like a reputation, um, that everyone knew that I was looking for a wife. Okay. Everyone knew that I was planning on going to Turkey. You do kind of go straight to the jugular with most things that I know about you. So I'm going to go with her story. I don't know how much time I have here. Like, you know what I mean? You got to live it to the fullest. That's right. That's right. So, but she was smiling. Yeah. And so you started dating and yeah. And it was, uh, at the time she actually had a job lined up for when she graduated to go teach English in Japan. Oh, wow. Um, but the ironic thing is we went on a date up in Snowball one time and she gave me her gloves. So she just had these like knitted mittens mm-hmm. and basically the coldness from the snow like caused her to pass out. Oh, wow. uh, it's called Renaud's disease. And uh, her placement in Japan was to like the snowfall capital of the world. Mm-hmm. So wow, she was able to kind Get of out. bow out from that position. But that already shows you like her appetite for something cross-cultural oh, was high. And she, I mean, she had gone to Kenya okay. um, on a missions trip to teach English at an orphanage. Okay. Um, so thing, were you guys together at the point at which you first visited Turkey? No. So January, 2002, I went on a vision trip with 10 other people okay. um, from my church and, um, then that summer I went to visit the foundation that our church had a relationship with. Okay. Um, and Catherine and I started dating like in between there. Okay. So, um, all three of us have actually been to Turkey mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm curious kind of what was your, I don't know, what are the things I, I'd like to hear from both of you guys? What do you, when you experienced it, what did you like about it? thing for me was that, um, I didn't, it wasn't 
like totally um, novel to the things that I liked. Like mm. people there, they dressed nice. Uh, people like cars. Like it was modern. Like I didn't have to go to a jungle. Yeah. And only wear, you know, jungle clothes and whatnot. <laughs> so I was able to just be myself. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Reese? You were there a couple summers ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Istanbul was definitely like that. I, I just like different culture and meeting new people. And I've, I'm like kind of a, like, <laughs> I'm kind of a kid. I'm like Peter Pan a little bit. I don't want to grow up. Um, I do want to grow up, but I mean like the fun side of life, I want to always not. And being there was that for me. Like I was just running around meeting new people and they have my schedule. So they stay up to like 1am a lot of times while the people I met and I'm just roaming the streets at one, um, talking to people randomly and they're not like, get out of here. So Reese's are famous for staying 15 minutes too late to everything. <laughs> And that wasn't the culture there. So I was like, my people, I'm home. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just meeting new people and and seeing all that. They have a lot of culture. I mean, if, you, if you're talking to a Turk, I think they believe everything originated in Turkey. They like really the do. The whole world originated in Turkey. It did. <laughs> see, exactly. So uh, it's just fun to see all that. Because so, there is a lot that I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, yeah. It's different than... Mesa, Arizona, where I live. Yeah. No, there is a ton of interesting history there. And yeah, I, I found the same thing. People seem to be very, very friendly. It wasn't a hard place to fit in as a Westerner, even though, um, you know, there's definitely cultural differences. I also found it was interesting that it really wasn't and hasn't been that hard to talk about spiritual things in a culture where people are, you know, that's a kind of part of life. So I'm curious if, you know, you're getting a little bit of a head in the story, Mark, but um, it seems like real hard for people to change their views on religion, but not hard to have conversations about it. Yeah. I mean, it was always super easy to, and that's what I loved anyway, is that um, people, people were quick to open up, um, even to share hard things mm. and, I don't know if that was me or if it was more them, um, but it was always engaging. Yeah. So what, what led you ultimately to make you feel like I want to be in Turkey? Was it kind of just mostly about that? Hey, this place isn't reached. And I mean, very small percentage of Christians there, very few number of churches, and I don't have to be in a jungle and I kind of like it here. Was there more to it than that? Yeah. And, um, the thing that happened real quickly as well is that within Turkey, you know, they have different regions, whether it's the Black Sea region, the Mediterranean, the Aegean, Central, yeah. or the East. And there's a region that ha has even less engagement than the rest of them. So it was kind of like going to the least reached country in the world, but also going to the least reached region of in the world. Country, yeah. mm. And then even eventually we would go to in that region, the place that would have like no engagement at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you were there 15 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, tell us about the kind of work you were doing there. Um, well, when we first got there, I didn't know that I was actually going to be able to do the things that we were trying to do. Um, okay. cause I, I'd, I'd shared it at churches, but I never actually preached. Okay. Um, never led worship. I didn't know how to play the guitar when I got there. So it was more just groundwork of learning the language, learning what church 
looks like in Turkey. So for the first year we were in Istanbul with the kind of founding church of the foundation we were a part of attending everything, learning the language, just seeing how things panned out. And then after that year, we were asked to partner alongside of a Turkish pastor uh, okay. in a smaller city called Eskishir. It's actually a really big city comparatively um, has two major universities. So there's a ton of students um, and also a lot of factories that are there. Okay. So um, went there. That was a great experience because all the things that I knew I didn't have uh, for planting a church in a place that had nothing. I actually, God like equipped me to do those things there. Hmm. So learning how to play the guitar, learning how to lead worship, preaching, um, even dealing with like church discipline and those kinds of issues. um, Just everything happened there. Yeah. Uh, And uh, even friendships Hmm. um, and working through difficult things. Yeah. So in the end, like, I think of myself more as well at, as a pastor rather than a missionary. Okay. Um, Cause especially in Turkey, um, just the, the shapes that different missionaries take um, to be there being like a unique access. Like I was able to go to the police station and say, I'm here to help the church. Yeah. And yeah, that's one of the things I always appreciated about you and about your approach. And that really is part of the redemption philosophy when it comes to international work is, um, just the straightforwardness, mm. you know, uh, I always appreciated. And, and this was one of the things that was, you could do in Turkey in a way that's harder, some, and maybe some other places, but that you were kind of openly and unapologetically there as a Christian pastor, you know, you weren't kind of under the guise of I'm an English teacher or I'm a tour guide or I'm a whatever else you were there as a, as a Christian. Um, you, you probably didn't call yourself missionary cause that would be a word that would be pretty offensive to a lot of people but you were very open about what you were doing. And I always thought that had a lot of integrity and also just made it where, you know, when you don't have to hide, you can be a lot more bold. The thing is like, that was kind of forced on us, or at least I felt like there was nothing else I could say. Hmm. And it, we tried, you know, I, I did teach English for a, a time. Um, we were advised by so many people to have a different reason for being there. Um, because there was a real risk of being kicked out of the country and, or not being allowed to continue to stay. Yeah. So, um, we weren't advised that way, but the people that we looked up to the most, that's definitely how they were operating. Yeah. So when you look back on your time there, what was successful and what wasn't? I think the biggest thing is just faithfulness Mm. to what God had us to do. Um, the thing is, I know that God is like made me rich from my time there. Mm. Like how much, um, I've been blessed. Um, the things that he's done in me, just, um, talents that he's given me from being there that I didn't have here or wouldn't have had the opportunity to do here. Um, just so much more like wealthy because of it. Mm. Um, and in terms of like long-term impact with, people like, you know, what do I want? I want to see lives changed by Jesus. I want to see Jesus lived out in these places. Um, you know, I, I don't see the fruit of it exactly like that yet, but, um, I know that the story is not over, so we'll see what that has. 
Yeah. So a little over a year ago, you and Catherine were kind of thinking through your kids. Um, you're older two and are in high school, kind of thinking about their needs educationally and preparing them for college and stuff like that. And, um, you know, long story short, ended up deciding, Hey, let's move back here. Mm-hmm. Um, after how many years there back to Arizona? 15, 15 years in Turkey. Yeah. Which has got to be quite a change. Actually, at the time of our recording this, it's one year to the day since you guys arrived back in the States. So I'm curious, um, in the last year, what, um, what's that been like in the last year? And then what's the Lord taught you? I mean, the, there's so much, uh, to process through in terms of like feelings and reflection that I, I mean, we really haven't been able to do that just because, you know, just trying to establish a home, get kids set up in school, um, help them with the transition. Um, and then at the same time, my parents, um, just the situation with them, they, there really hasn't been time for reflection, but the thing that I was able to take away from a class that I started to be a part of and then had to drop out of just because of all the busyness, um, is it the same faith that it took uh, when we first went to Turkey and just the kind of like open eyed, like God, whatever you have, like I'm going to trust you. And at the time when you're naive or you don't know what you don't know, or you're just starting out. So you really have nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, that there is a faith that you go into it and that you trust God in. I need that same faith. Mm. Like I need to trust God in the same way now that there's so many things that I don't know, um, to be willing to do whatever it takes or whatever God wants me to do. I need that same strength, that same power that he equipped us with at that time today now, Mm. um, in the same way. And that just means that every day is different. Um, there's nothing else that I could hold on except for him. Um, because if it is taken away, like I should be holding on to him more than everything else. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So it's not like, boy, over there, I needed faith. And now I don't, no. but you really realize you need it all the time. Right. Yeah. Your story's kind of really cool. The theme that like stuck out to me as you're talking is like, I mean, you started this thing because you wanted to go to a dance with a girl <laughs> and like God has used all of that and all of the twists and turns like throughout when you're talking, it's just like, I'd plan this. This is what I thought was going to happen. This is what I thought was going to happen. And I don't know. That's really cool to hear God working a story through you and all the things that you went through and are doing and still here doing today. Yeah. Well, and coming up on 40, which means you're about to enter your prime. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to just see how God unfolds that and, and how he uses you and, um, you know, I think it was Rick Warren who said, God never wastes our experiences. Oh, goodness. And, uh, man, I think, I, I just, I hope that's true because a lot of his experience, <laughs> just a lot of different things where we go, Lord, I don't totally know how to make sense of that. And I don't totally know what I thought of that. And I think that went good or maybe that went terrible or, but to know God's not wasting it is really good news. I have a question for you guys. When you were in Istanbul, did you go to the cistern? That's in? Uh, yeah. Okay. I did. I did not. Are you talking about the underground? Yeah, uh, the underground yeah. cistern. Uh-huh. So the picture that I have, like, I love that place because it... Tell our listeners what it is. So um, in kind of the palace area of Istanbul, that's on what's called the Golden Horn. Um, 
there's a cistern that's underground that's made up of all these old Roman columns. Right. And some of, there's a Medusa head. Yep. I think there's two of them. One of them's upside down. Yeah. Um, the way that it's lit, um, it's just. They kind of just grabbed whatever they could grab to right. build the thing. Right. And um, you hear the dripping water, the light reflecting off the water that's there. Because it's only a few inches deep, the water that's there. But, you know, above ground, it's always busy. There's cars going by. There's trams going by. But in the cistern, it's cooler. Mm -hmm. So during the summertime, when it's hot outside in there, it's nice and cool. Um, I just love that place. But being back and thinking about all the richness and the way that God has um, grown me or the things that he's done in me or allowed me to experience, it's like I feel like this cistern that... Mm has this blessing that's been filling and filling and filling, but yet to, cause even in Turkey, there was always the feeling of, I have so much more to give or the, the thing that I'm wanting to do like pastor a Turkish church, yeah. um, wasn't happening. And yet I felt like God all the time was preparing me for it. Mm. Uh, whether it was with the Iranian fellowship that I got to lead, which was a huge honor and blessing I mean, even in the difficulties, um, that it's like, well, it's not going to be wasted. Yeah. Like this is yeah. here. Like, mm. I don't know what this means. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, and just as you listen, just know, I mean, things are really difficult in Turkey, uh, especially for pastors and missionaries. There's been a pretty systemic crackdown on anybody who's a foreigner, um, where they aren't necessarily having to leave yet, but every indication says that when they do have to leave or when a visa needs to be renewed or something like that, it just won't be. And so um, I just would encourage you as you listen to be praying for Turkey, uh, be praying um, that God would open doors for the gospel. And um, of course, I don't know how it's going to unfold. None of us do, but I do sort of, I mean, I do hope that out of the painful experience that Turkish church is going through, that it would be strengthened and allowed to flourish. So. Well, Mark, thanks for your story, man. Thanks yeah. for coming by. I know that there's so much other stuff we could talk about. And as you uh, reflect on uh, just what you've learned over the last year, um, I just pray that the Lord, I know you said that you're going to do that tonight with your family, and I just hope that's a sweet time for you guys and and uh, hope that it's encouraging. So yeah. thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to move to our last segment, which is a song recommendation. Reese, you said it's a really, really good one. So It is. I told you. It's, it's, it's top of the charts. What do we got? No, this is actually, I'm, I've really been jamming on this song. It's kind of smooth. It's a, a friend of mine, Miles Cruz, spelled K-R-U-S-E. Um, so if you recognize that name. Chandler is his older brother. If you know Chandler around here, yeah, yeah one of our worship leaders now At worship North leader. Mountain. Yeah, North Mountain. Yeah, Miles has done lots of things for us. He he led students uh, worship uh, for high school this year, so that cool. was kind of cool. But I've got to know him a bit. He's a track star and musician and just all around great he's guy. In high school, right? No, he's now GCU first year oh, at GCU. Okay. okay, running track for them. Yeah, he's fast. Yeah. I want to race him, but uh, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I raced. I think I raced him like to a spot on the floor. Just yeah. I said go, and I beat him. And I said I beat Miles Cruz. So that's funny. But this song is "Someday Soon." Got a nice smooth sound to it. So give yeah, it. Yeah, let's listen. give it a listen. Here we go. Someday soon, you'll wake up feeling blue. 
someday soon. I like it. His voice just is. Oh. I won't be missing you. It's got a little gravel in there. It does. There's no room for someone that is new. Someday, very soon, oh, I won't be missing you. Yeah, that's great. I got my toes in the Enjoy that, everybody. Yeah, let's check that out. He's on Spotify and other things. So the recommendation is "Someday Soon" by, by Miles Cruz. Miles Cruz, awesome. Well, that's really great. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. It took us a little bit to get this episode out because our producer Sean actually went and got himself married. Just got married, and so uh, he's uh, he'll get back and do the editing for this, and then uh, get that out to you guys. But um, anyway, thanks for listening, uh, Mark. Thanks again for your story. Reese, it's good to be with you. Yeah. And uh, we'll see y'all next time. Yeah, love y'all. Have a great one.